This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right, good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. All tan, back from Florida, and they were Greece. You're everywhere, <laughs> man. You were, you, I, you're like that Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere. So how are you, Deanne? I am fabulous, Mark. Just fabulous. <laughs> so how's Greece? Everything good? Everything was amazing, yeah. yeah. And they still that the water didn't come up from the global... Uh, <laughs> Uh, all the greenhouse stuff and covered the whole island yet? Didn't no, but we definitely helped the economy over there, so it was a good uh, thing. Can, uh, you know, probably the alcohol industry is doing good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited to be talking to you every Saturday at 1 o'clock here on Talk Radio 1210. Want to ask us a question about mortgages, Deanne's trip to Greece, whatever, <laughs> give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number? My number is 609 605 7153. And we're here every week. We are the only real estate show in the Philly market, which is the fifth largest media market in the country. And we're the only real estate show. That's why nobody knows what's going on unless you tune in every week. And you can listen to this show and past shows at our webpage, goodnewsandrealestate.com, which a lot of people do listen to that podcast. And also at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today? So coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yes. We also have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. I'm sure you do. We also have our mortgage mom topic. Um, which escrow, is what? Which is called escrow. What is it and why do I need it? I'll we also have our- that one. <laughs> Don't worry, I got it. We also have our questions, Mark. Um, what is a triple net lease in real estate? The next question is, how long does it take to obtain a real estate license online? That's a good one. How is inflation affecting the real estate industry? And are townhomes bigger than condos? Yeah, we got that question before. Yeah, I remember that one. We also have our topic of the day, Mark, which is 14 reasons your listing might not sell and how to fix them. 
And actually, I'm working with our, one of our sponsors, Curbio, on a scenario, and I'll mention that. That's awesome. We also, but first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. I like it. So you got to take a chance to be free. If you want to hear that song. <laughs> <laughs> no risk it, no biscuit, right? Yeah, Google uh, Kicks, K-I-X-X Philly. Go to SoundCloud and you can listen. Got to take a chance to be free. That's what that song is about. Because if you don't take no chances and if you don't ask the answers. No. Exactly. So All where right. are we at? So Mark, tell us about the market report. And there is the bell. It's interesting. I looked at Philly's uh, inventory and it jumped up a little bit at our last show and actually went down a little bit, a slight decrease. And there's still around 4,700 homes for sale out of 600,000. These sellers just don't, you know, you're seeing more stories that people are starting to wake the hell up, but it's still a great time to buy. I mean, these rates are good rates. Like, Unfortunately, people don't know their history. Right. They don't know what happened in the late 70s and the 80s when we were at 20% inflation. And I locked in my first house at 13%. I had friends at 19%. And we were happy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we got a house. Yeah. We weren't renting. You know? But it's always good to know where, where the real estate market is and you know keep all the essential data and history in perspective. But a report by uh, uh, NAR, the National Association of Realtors, a very uh, non-biased <laughs> says we're still in a very tight supply, which means that homes are still moving at a fast pace despite recent rises in rates. And the rates have been going up and down. And median days on the market is just 14 days in comparison to 2011 when it was 96 days. Further, 82% of the listed homes sold within one month. 2011, less than one quarter of the homes sold in one month. So it's the best time ever to sell. The sellers just don't know because the media don't talk about it. And I've been watching uh, statistics on viewership on TV. Hardly anybody watches TV news anymore. I mean, I don't, I don't know how CNN, I don't know how they stay on the air. They're down to like 800,000 viewers. Uh, and they're just like somebody's putting up losing money every month. But notably, the market has contracted as few buyers can afford to purchase because like you have some buyers that were locked in at 4% and now they're at five and a half or whatever. So it, people are having to sh make shifts and and it's still a frenzied market. Not as frenzied as it was, but Philly metro market's still pretty frenzied. One way to understand the market's competitiveness is to look at the buyers that are, who are waiving contingencies. You know, not taking home inspections, doing really stupid stuff like not taking termite inspections, whatever, and just to win. And nearly one-third of the buyers, nearly one-third of buyers waived an inspection or an appraisal contingency. But that, f that fell to 20% last month. But before that, it was even higher. Yeah. Like they were waving all kinds of stuff. Uh, they were just, and, they just wanted to get in the house. They wanted to win. They wanted to win the bidding war. And, you know, and they were shooting themselves in the foot because it, we, we say it all the time, Mark. It's one of the biggest investments they're ever going to make. It's one of the biggest purchases. 
And the last thing you want to do is get into a house that has an issue. Yeah. And if you've been up to the plate and like were struck out about 10 times and you finally get a hit, you'll do whatever you can do to get in. Right. You know, so and the one thing, another measure of the housing market is a client said who had distressed sales in the loans. Due to the consistent rise in home prices, homeowners typically have equity in their home and distressed sales are not common today. In 2008, 49% of realtors had a client with a distressed sale. Today, it's 1%. And historically, the foreclosure rate in the United States runs 3 to 4%. I always ask the class I yeah. got to teach this week. <laughs> I always ask the class, what do you think, what percentage of the country was in foreclosure in 2008? And, and the last class, I had one girl said 70, 75%. That's insane. 50%. 30%, 25%, 80%. And then when I tell them it was 5.1% in the worst market in history. And the real estate market has only crashed once in 73 years. And that was then. But it was 5.1%. It wasn't 50%. Right. So it's the, you know, you got to understand the history. But, uh, and another thing, who's purchasing a home has shifted some in the last month. There's a reduction in the share of cash buyers who are waiving the appraisals and reduction in vacation investment purchases. All cash buyers now stand at 24%. Uh, and the last high among all cash buyers was back in, was 35% back in 2014. So now primary residence buyers are now at 14% from a high of 22% in January of 22. Unfortunately, the share of first time home buyers remained suppressed at 29% last month. While it's not uh, the high seen during the first uh, home buyer tax credit of 2010, you know, it's not the norm of 40% in the annual profile home buyers and sellers. During that time period, first time home buyer tax credits, there were more housing inventory than in the U.S. than in today. So, I mean, this lack of inventory is just, it's going to be with us for a while. So... And then you got the rates. So tell us about the rates. So one of the things that I want to mention about the rates, Mark, is, you know, I've been telling my clients right now, date the rate and marry the house, right? You're not locked. You're, <laughs> the, the rate might be locked in for 30 years, but that doesn't mean you have that rate for 30 years. When the rates go down, we can refinance. And they also have the arms that are available, which people have been taking advantage of. So it's a good thing. Right now, your 30-year fixed on a conventional is looking at 5.875. Your 15 year is 4.625. Your 5.1 arm is 4.5%. Now with that 4.5% comes points, but that depends on what your credit score to determine exactly what those points are going to be. Your 30 year FHA is 5.875%. And your VA follows right behind that at 5.75%. So remember, date the rate, Marry the house. And the other thing about that is if you buy a house, your rents, your your monthly payment's not going to go up next month. 48% of Philly rents. Correct. And our illustrious mayor and city council is allowing this reassessment, which the average tax increase citywide is going to be 30%. In some neighborhoods, Fishtown, Northern Liberties, Kensington, 50 to 70% in one year. So, and now there's all this conversation about rentals who who's going to pay that 
tenants. They're going to raise the rent. So if you buy a house for 30 years, you're going to have the same fixed payment. If you're renting, expect rent increases over the next couple of years. Right. And the goal is to get that payment down when we refinance into a, a much lower rate. Yeah, that's I'm going to make that a topic. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So Mark, we are up to your funny story. So this one is about this couple moved into this new place and they it's like a condo unit, and the only, anyway, they're, they have a little kid, and it's a Sunday afternoon, and they want to pull off a quickie, and they got an eight-year-old son in the apartment. So they send him out on the balcony with a popsicle, and they tell him to report on all the neighbor activities so they can, like, hear him. And so he's standing out there. He goes, there's a car being towed from the parking lot. He began his commentary as the parents put their plan in operation. <laughs> he goes, and there's an ambulance just drove by. And he goes, and it looks like the Andersons are having company. And Matt's riding his new bike. And it looks like the Sanders are moving. And Jason is on his skateboard. After a few moments, he goes, and the Coop- Coopers are having sex. Startled the mother and the dad shot up out of bed. And that dad questionably called out. He goes, how do you know they're having sex? He goes, because Jimmy Cooper's standing on the balcony with a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like that. Please send me some jokes. I'm up to <laughs> 927. That's so now awesome. it is time for the Mortgage Moms segment with the end, Kat Saris from the largest real mortgage company in the world. Oh, my God. And her topic today <laughs> is escrow and why do we need it? <laughs> All over the world. Yes, yes. The whole world, man. The whole world. You're a traveler. I did mortgages in Greece. It was great. Hey, I thought I did a referral in Belize. I did one in France. There's nice. no boundaries no more. No boundaries. So, Mark, what is escrow? How does it work? Why do we need it? So, and I just had this come up pa- this past week with buyers. And I wanted to just kind of clarify a few things. So escrow is a financial arrangement and it's part of your real estate transaction. The escrow, it's set up for a third party to hold and manage the payment of the funds required for two parties involved in a real estate transaction. So having a third party provides a more secure transaction by keeping the payment in a secured escrow account, which is only released when all the terms of the agreement are met. So your escrow account is overseen by an escrow company. While the payment is in escrow, the transaction can be safely carried out without risk of losing money due to fraud. So escrow allows for a secured transaction and confident buyers and sellers. So how does it work? So escrow reduces the risk of fraud by acting as a trusted third party that collects, holds, and disperses funds when both the buyer and the seller are satisfied. And that right. can sometimes take and, a while. But tell the audience, you know, they, when they submit the offer, they submit a check, and that's how this all yeah, starts, so, correct? So here's, here is when 
you will be involved in your escrow account because it's it's the escrow and your offer. When you make an offer on a home, you will write an earnest money check that would be placed into an escrow account. And the key to this earnest money check is that it comes from a sourceable account. So what that means is it can't be cash. It has to be somewhere that the mortgage company can actually source where that check came from. So this is one of your first financial transactions in actually buying the home. And what it means that the money is not going to the seller or the lender. Instead, your money is being held by an impartial third party until you and the seller negotiate a contract and actually close on that deal. You cannot touch it and the seller cannot touch it either. Your money is, again, held in escrow. And it's important to give you a peace of mind because having your money held in escrow basically protects both parties that are involved. So it's important because let's say, for example, you put down earnest money and it went directly to the seller and they had the money. And for whatever reason, you and the seller don't reach a financial purchase sale agreement. You certainly would not want the seller holding your earnest money as a negotiating tactic or for it to be at risk, losing it all together. If you don't cooperate, I'm going to keep your check. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of good stories about oh, that. Oh, my <laughs> God. On the other hand, the seller certainly would not want to sign over to the deed to the home until you have paid for the terms that you agreed on, which is getting your mortgage. You, of course, would not want to hand over cash for the home without knowing that the deed has been signed over to you. So, you know, it goes back and forth both ways. So having an escrow account ensures everyone gets what they agree upon at essentially the same time. So the next time you hear about your escrow account is when you're working with your mortgage lender. Your mortgage lender, towards uh, the end of getting your home loan, your mortgage lender will talk to you about an escrow or an impound account or even reserves. And these terms mean pretty much the same thing, but not to be confused. When they're Asking if you would like to have funds held by the lender to make payments for your homeowner's insurance and your property taxes, most mortgage lenders will offer you the option to collect them monthly along with your payment. So when you're making your mortgage payment, you have your principal and interest, you have your taxes, and you have your homeowner's insurance. Now, the key to that is if you're putting less than 20% down, the taxes and the insurance have to be in your payment. You don't have that option. But if you're putting more than 20% down, you have the option to decide whether or not you want the mortgage company to collect and pay your taxes and your insurance. Make sense? And you know what? There's a myth out there about this because I ask the students sometimes, how much money do you got to put down for when you do a purchase? And and some of them will say 10%. And I don't, I don't know where that number comes from. 10%, whatever the property is. I'm like... Who told you that? (laughs) I heard that. But actually, according to the contract, you don't have to put anything down. You know, I mean, as a listing agent, you would want to see all the financials and everything. But the contract itself is enough. But it's usually a good faith thing that you put a check down. Having skin in the game. Yeah, having some skin in the game. Yeah. And then, you know, and sometimes sellers, just because they don't know. They think the person that, you know, somebody's buying an $800,000 house and they got plenty of funds to buy the house and they wrote a check for two grand and somebody else writes a check for eight grand doesn't mean that the eight grand offer is better. But like there's a, it's like the 20% down myth and there's another myth with that one. 
Yeah, it's the way that the that the agents explain it. They just feel that if the buyer doesn't go through with the contract or cancels, then the seller gets to keep that money. But that's not a win win for everybody. Like I have a buyer, yeah, that's- I have a buyer right now, Mark, that that was buying an investment property. He put five thousand dollars down on the contract. He's got some family drama going on, and he's not moving forward with the house. And I can't deny the loan because there's no reason to. He's losing that $5,000. The seller right. is keeping that money. Now, would it have been better if he put 2000 down? Sure, because then he would have only lost $2,000. So it right. goes either way. But but it's the strength It's the strength of the whole deal. The, the, the worst one I ever heard of, and uh, the broker is in jail, was up in Bucks County. Some guy put $200,000 down, and this broker was probably not running her business correctly, and used the money, figuring by the time settlement came, she could get it back in the account and they moved settlement up and she didn't have the 200 grand. And uh, she is no longer in the business and probably in a nice eight by eight cell. (laughs) (laughs) But escrows, I mean, there's two types of escrows that we talked about. One is for the mortgage company and the second one is actually during the real estate transaction. So if you have any questions in reference to how they work, should you escrow? Should you not escrow? Even if you put 20% down, you still might want to escrow because every time I know with my mortgage payment, my taxes and insurance are out of my payment. And every quarter when I need to make that substantially large tax payment, it pains me. So (laughs) so if it was in my payment, I wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, And again, I could put that money in a bank account you know, every single month, every time I get paid, whatever, but I don't just like everyone else. Um, but if you have any, yeah. And then you, and then you got the IRS like September's yeah. payments coming. So up. if you have yeah. any questions in escrow and you're closing, feel free to, sh- um, give me a call at 609-605-7153. You can also go to my website and get information, um, record, um, in reference to how to get a hold of me as well. Very good. All right. So coming up, we are going into our question and answers. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All right, welcome back to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHTO Positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So, Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment. So what's your first question? The first question is, and we've had this many times, but the first question is, what is a triple net in real estate? Triple net lease. Triple yeah, net we lease. Do, every once in a while we get this because people aren't sure about leases. Most of the time, triple net leases are in commercial. Most residential leases are not triple net. They you just you might pay the water bill and you might pay the rent, but you don't pay the taxes or anything else. Or uh, or you might re- a triple net in commercial. You might pay your rent. You, you might pay the real estate taxes. You might pay for any other repairs. You know, like my landlord at my one school, she really doesn't want to hear anything. Like <laughs> just send check. So, but like most of the time it's in commercial where you get a triple net lease. 
and and then you're responsible for everything uh the utilities everything even the water bill you know you get you're going to pay everything the real estate taxes but most residential leases are not triple net they can be because you know if you got a really sharp landlord you could make them triple net and let the seller pay the taxes too so it's up so we's every lease is everything's negotiable sure that's right. So what's the next one? Because if you don't ask? The answer is no. Yes. So the next question is, how long does it take to get your real estate license online? This is an interesting question because I get this one all the time. Because we do, my school, we have in-person classes in the actual school. And then we're a role approved, which I had to jump through a lot of hoops to get that. So we have classes that are an actual Zoom class with a live instructor. But but if you I get these students every month. I just had one 8 months. They see this advertisement on the website or they Google real estate classes online and they see this advertisement and it says do it at your own pace and 95% pass rate and they got all this great advertisement. But what they forget to tell they and and it's cheaper. So you only get you get what you pay for in the end. So they pay the money and then they find out it's not live instruction. It's them reading 75 hours oh. in Pennsylvania of PowerPoints Jesus. with maybe a couple of videos thrown in. Now, it could be worse. Delaware's 99 hours. Colorado's 160 hours. Imagine reading 160 hours of PowerPoints. Nope. So anyway, what happens to them? I had about 80 of these students last month. One girl, eight months. And then how, what they don't tell you is at the end of every chapter, you have to take a test. And if you don't, in one school, in one of them, if you don't get a 90, you got to do that chapter over again. Some of them are 70, 75, 80, 90. And then if you stop clicking, you got to do the chapter over again. And next thing you know, four or five months went by and you're still screwing around where you could have came to us and been in a Zoom class because I get students all from all over Pennsylvania and my three-week day class, you're done. I had one girl, she messed around with it for eight months, took my three-week day live streaming class with Liz, is one of my really good instructors, and took this the state test the following week. And so in four weeks, she passed the Pennsylvania real estate test, and she screwed around with something that saved her 150 bucks, maybe yeah. 200 bucks, and cost her eight months. So you got to be really careful when you shop online real estate classes. You you need a live instructor. What's the next one? The next question is, are townhomes bigger than condos? It varies. I it mean, there's vary. condos downtown that are three, 4,000 square foot in some of them high rises. See that? I, and I seen that one in, the, in our video, Life in a Big City, that one with the pool and all that. That thing was like 4,000 square feet. So, I, I you know. It's, I had one guy, I sold one on Chestnut Street around 20th years ago, and he took the train every day to New York. He had the whole third floor of this high rise. He had three over 3,000 square feet. He had a gym and everything. And uh, he hurt his back, and he couldn't take the train ride no more. And I sold it for like, back then, it was probably a million, two, million, three. And for that, he got like a 1,100 square foot condo in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shame, but he couldn't. His back couldn't take the train. So, it, 
there's giant. And in fact, a townhouse could be a condo. So, you know, a single house could be a condo. There could be a condo development and they're all singles. So a condo is just a, uh, a, a situation that somebody created. Right. And then there are condo rules like everything else. The bylaws, yep. All right, next question. Can your husband co-sign on someone's home without your knowledge? And the answer to that is yes. And yeah. we've actually, I've had situations where husband and wife are going out to buy a new home and run the, the husband's credit report and find that there's a mortgage on there and the wife had no idea. And <laughs> not only did she not know that he co-signed on somebody else's house, but that he had, you know, a whole nother life. So yeah. he did co-sign. Tra- the old traveling salesman. Yeah, I mean. A family in Chicago and one in Philly. And basically anybody can co-sign um, on someone else's house and they don't have to know about it. You're not going to know about it until you run title um, or until you run credit because when you co-sign, it shows up on your credit report. Now, if they were looking to purchase another home and the husband just co-signed and that person made the mortgage payments, we can basically take um, 12 months of canceled checks showing that the husband had nothing to do with the payments and then that liability can come off of his liability if he went to purchase another home. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't interfere with what they call his debt to income ratio. Yeah, you got to be really careful with cosign. A lot of people cosign for friends with cars and different stuff like that. And then they get repos and they don't understand why their credit's so screwed up and they got themselves yeah, you in know a what jam. The, you know what the best is when somebody. Um, gets added on as an authorized user to help build up their credit report, you know, to increase their credit score. And then they find out that the person that added them to the credit report not only maxed out the credit card, which is going to lower the credit score, but then they missed a payment. Right. So then their credit score tanked. So it's, you really got to be careful who you're doing business with and, this and happens, make this, sure this happens a lot like families like yeah, cars sure. cars uh yep. other student uh, loans student loans appliance things yep. uh and you know you be careful when you co-sign because you're responsible you're on the yep. hook if they default on it you you're responsible especially if that goes on your credit somebody missing a payment it takes it it could take up to six months for your score to recoup from where it was. Yeah. So just be careful. And it's going to cause, they a, were great cause a few fights. <laughs> yeah, just a few. All right. What's coming up next? I'm sorry. So coming up next is our topic of the day. All right. 14 reasons your listing might not sell now and how to fix them. All right. Very good. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive all the time. So we're at the end. 
So, Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, which is 14 reasons your listing might not sell and how to fix them. So according to a recent Forbes report, active listing inventory in the U.S. is up some, uh, not a lot, but it's up some. But anyway, when we are in a tough seller's market, so today you can get away with a little more than usual. But still, like I'm involved in one right now where we're, I'm using our sponsor, Curbio. And that the house was bought back in 17 and for a family member, the family member passed away. It needs some work. Curbio is going to come in, do all the work, and and then you pay it off at settlement. You don't have to put any money out of your pocket. It's a great program. So I'm, I'm doing my first one with Curbio. But it, it's that's a great nice. program. But with more listings, when they start getting back on the market, you want to make sure that, you know, that first impression is a big one. You know, the uh, nose like if it's a totally empty house and it's an expensive house, you might consider hiring a staging company. Maybe put some furniture in, stage it, make it look homely. If it's too cluttered, you want to get rid of all the mess. You know, you want this thing to show right the first impression, and you know, remove all the clutter that you know you you because you're living there. You don't even notice. Uh, you know, on top of that piano, that pile of stuff that's been there forever that you walk by every day and don't even notice, like visitors are going to pick right. that up. And then, so, sure. you know, and then one of the other things is, so have a decent description when you're listed with the agent, you know, the flowery description of how great the house is, you know, don't make it just like, uh, oh, it's a pretty nice house, needs a little work and, you know, give them something to bite their teeth into because like 98% of the buyers start out looking at on Zillow uh, and the Trulio and all these other sites before they go calling an agent. So they're going to read some of these descriptions and look at the pictures and the pictures, the ones that I hate the most are they got a picture of everything except the front of the damn house. <laughs> like every room, <laughs> they got 28 pictures and no picture of what the front of the house looks like. I had you forgot that one. So yeah. So having like, 25 pictures or more it's going to get you more views and make sure to you know you you stop the car while you took the picture you're you know you weren't still moving and most of the time <laughs> these agents take the photos unless it's something like higher end and they hire somebody to come in and actually do a tour but a lot of times you know you get some bad pictures because they're not professional photographers so, and, but everybody's got these cell phones so you know and then too many restrictions on showings. Like every once in a while, I used to have a seller like this. They had to be there. They didn't want a lockbox. And then they worked hours. And people could only come. I remember I had one guy. I only want people to come Saturday between 2 and 4. Well, like you're eliminating so many people. You can't have too many restrictions on showings. Because if they can't get in the house, they're not going to buy it. No matter how good it is. Right. And then curb appeal. You know, when they first pull up, if you let uh, all the weeds grow and, the, you know, shingles hanging off of something and a broken garage door, I mean, you might want to do that kind of stuff. And it's, you're get, you'll probably recoup most of your expense. And then, like, if you have a pool, you know, make sure it's not green. <laughs> oh and or, or, or you have a dog and it's not loaded with dog poo all over the place. I mean, 
people are going to walk in and they're going to get a bad impression when they when they first see it. Sure. Mark, even when um, when you're getting an appraisal done, you know, I see some of these pictures where there's dishes in the sink, the bed's not made. I mean, it's crazy that people don't actually take pride in what they're doing. Right. Some people. Yeah, and then and, and make sure you're priced right. You want to be priced right. If you're at like say uh, five hundred nine thousand, they came up with this number. You're possibly the least attractive listing for a search from five hundred to seven fifty. So like, and I don't know why. There's agents with the four ninety nines and the three ninety nines and the, you know, why don't you just make it five hundred or either four fifty to five eighty or whatever? Where you know. Four it's like uh what was the old paint guys that did cars? Earl Scheib. Thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to be careful with that price too, and make sure it's priced right and shows right. And if it if you're shooting for the moon and your way, it's gotta appraise too. And sure. and then some houses have a very confusing floor plan. There might be some things that you might want to do that make it even more attractive to a new buyer and then get rid of all the family stuff. So they're not coming in and every wall is covered with right, pictures no personal of items, that. Right. And you know, the personal items, that's a big thing. Unclutter though is a big one. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, yeah. And then make sure your agent is proactive. So work to eliminate these potential issues and you, and in this market, you will be good. It'll sell right away. All right, Mark. So Dr. A is on vacation this week, and we had um, run out of time on some of our questions. So one of the questions that was left was, how is inflation affecting the real estate market? And it, it is having some effect because it's affecting everything. I mean, this, this every, all this, that bill, what was the name of that bill? The Inflation Reduction Act, that was Ugh. just a bad move. That's going to create more inflation. Inflation is going to go back up. And I don't know. It why was higher than they projected and they're out there celebrating. And it they put a tax increase in that on small business, 15%. I was talking to some business people about it and nobody like picked that up. I'm like, you know, you just got taxed. 15% on small business, which is 96% of the businesses in the country and like 58% of the jobs. And it, it's having an effect because everything, inflation costs money. And now we already got inflation in real estate. I mean, the prices, they're starting to level out in some places, but it's by market. So in Philly, prices are still... Uh, they're still going up. We're still, and we're appreciating. And then besides what the city's doing here with this assessment, his inflation plan and this, and, and all this stuff that costs money, it's not free. Like that college debt thing. That's a really bad idea. I mean, first of all, if you went to college and you picked a bad degree, that's on you. You signed on the dotted line. What if you're going to do that? How can you forgive everybody? So every plumber, electrician, real estate agent in the country. It's got to pay for somebody's college debt. It's ridiculous. It's also going to add to the inflationary pressures, which, you know, we're sitting near a high of a 40 year high. Yeah. They should have never even did the last two 
they caused inflation, and now they spent another $700 billion, and they're talking about spending more money. They're just trying to buy votes, and the public is suffering from it. The, 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 the average working person got a pay decrease by probably around 8% per month. Yeah, and... You know, 8%, 8% per a lot. It's a lot per It month. is a lot, but also, Mark, what about someone like myself who, you know, since the day my son was born, I put money aside to save right. so that I could pay for his student debt and we and not him not have any student loans, right? What about all yeah. that money? Yeah. Am I going to get a check? No, you're not you're not going to get nothing and there's going to be a lot of people that's going to want to happen if they do forget this debt, these professional college students. And I know a couple yeah. of them. They've been in college forever. And you know what they'll do? They'll take another loan and they'll take another grad course or a master course. And they'll, and they'll create more debt. And what are you going to do? Keep forgiving debt? Yeah. I mean, you know what, too? And the federal government, the program that handles uh, debt, uh, student loan debt, is the only federal department that actually makes a profit. Oh, Did you know I that? Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. They're the only department that actually makes a profit. Like, they could get rid of a lot of the interest on these people. I mean, you're when you're dealing with them, man, they're brutal. I get students all the time with like I've had, I had one girl, she had $250,000 worth of student debt and she's getting a real estate license because she went to college and paid all this money and thought she was going to like walk into this making a $100,000 a year job and that didn't happen because she uh, majored in French literature. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of people, man, that they they're not careful what degree they take, and you press hard sign here, and it's a, it's it's not good. It's going to have some effect on real estate, but in reality, real estate market is fine. It's actually booming. It's the problem is not that much inventory, and prices are going up, and the rates are fluctuating. I don't know what's going to happen. They better not keep raising rates though, because it's not working. All right. If anybody has any questions, right. you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give them a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every week and our sponsors keeping us on the air. We're actually looking for two sponsors. I'm looking for a solar company and a builder. I don't have a builder. We want a builder on the show to really talk about that. And you can tune in every week at Saturday, 1 o'clock. We're always on. Have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WBHT. All positive, all the time. Thanks for listening to Good News and Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.